<clears throat> chapter 10. By the following day, things had calmed down a little. Mrs. Spagthorpe had discovered what was the matter with Atlanta. It had been a combination of Uncle Parker's driving and homesickness. Mrs. Bagthorpe had made these discoveries in two parts. She had given an imitation of someone driving a car, at the same time making a brum-brumming noise, at which Atlanta had nodded her head vigorously and redoubled her sobs. Then, while, un while helping her unpack, Mrs. Bagthorpe had come upon a photograph album, which Atlanta had instantly seized upon, turning the pages while tears splashed onto the smiling faces of her family. Mrs. Bagthorpe was relieved by these findings, which were, after all, only healthy and natural. At least there would be no need to call the doctor. She did not really want to call him again for as long as possible. <laughs> she knew, of course, that members of the medical profession were not supposed to bear grudges against patients, but could see how Dr. Winters was being sorely tempted in this particular instance. Mrs. Bagthorpe had comforted Atlanta, and Tess came in and bashfully spoke a few Danish words, and thus she had been finally been settled. Next morning she emerged transformed. She swung into the kitchen, where various members of the family were at different stages of breakfasting. "'Hello,' she said. "'Hello,' they, all, they chorused, all turning. "'Oh, hello!' It was William's voice, putting in an extra greeting. Jack looked at him in surprise. For an instant he wondered whether William had decided to go into the mysterious impressions business. So strange and staring did he look. Jack sincerely hoped not. He did not want the competition, and in any case, if anyone stared past this girl's ear, it might set her off crying for hours on end again. Jack had already made a mental note to give her a miss, along with Grandma and Mr. Bagthorpe. "'Do sit down, dear,' said Mrs. Bagthorpe, indicating her place. William leaped up and pulled the chair out, and the rest of the family gaped. The Bagthorpes were quite polite in a way, but never excessively so. Atlanta smiled at William. "'Thank you,' she said. "'Oh, it's a pleasure,' he assured her fervently. He was still looking at her, even though now it was from sideways on. Luckily, Mr. Bagthorpe did not notice this, because he was too busy trying to butter his toast left-handed. Mr. Bagthorpe would not have been able to stand it, if another member of his family had started giving mysterious impressions. Jack noticed that Mrs. Fosdyke was leaning up against the sink, having a good stare at the new arrival, too. He himself took another quick look, just to see if he could make out why they were looking at her like this. The only thing he could think of was that she did look a little bit like Aunt Celia, but not all that much, not enough to knock anybody sideways. "'Now, what about some breakfast?' asked Mrs. Bagthorpe. She had already told the others that they must speak to Atlanta exactly as if she could understand every word. "'You may perhaps speak a little more slowly,' Mrs. Bagthorpe had said, "'and, of course, if necessary, you must point at things and name them to her, as you would with a young child.' None of the Bagthorpes other than Tess had been much pleased by this prospect, but had agreed to do so when Mrs. Bagthorpe had pointed out that the sooner Atlanta picked up some English, the easier it would be for all of them.' The other alternative, she had said, is for us all to learn Danish, which had clinched it. Now I'll make some more toast, said Mrs. Fosdyke, managing to make this apparently simple offer sound like an insult. I hope she won't be coming down late every morning. Mrs. Bagthorpe pointed to the toast rack and said clearly, Some toast, Atlanta? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, she stretched and took a piece. Butter? It was William, pointing to that commodity. She smiled sideways at him past her swinging hair and took it. Toast, repeated Mrs. Bagthorpe firmly. And butter. She pointed again. Atlanta got the message. Toast, she repeated. Toast. And butter. Butter. It was very good, except that she missed the T off the end of toast, and pronounced the U of butter as in good. <laughs> she said it, cried William admiringly. Jack took another look at him. If he were not going in for mysterious impressions, then clearly what was happening was that Atlanta was making a very mysterious impression on him. <laughs> she don't pronounce very well, observed Mrs. Fosdyke. This was just one of the drawbacks of having the dining room burned out. Mrs. Fosdyke chipped into conversations a lot more often. William turned and gave her a quelling look. "'Perhaps you'd like to say toast and butter in Danish for us?' he inquired scathingly. "'William,' reproved his mother. Mrs. Fosdyke drew herself up, looked for a moment as if she might be going to say something, though almost certainly not toast and butter in Danish, <laughs> then turned her back and began rattling things in the sink. She had a special way she could rattle if she wanted to, and was doing it now. Mr. Bagthorpe gave up trying to turn the pages of his newspaper one-handed and glowered at her back. He muttered something that Jack did not catch, but that definitely contained the word hedgehog. <laughs> at this point, Zero, who had not met Atlanta the previous day, got up, walked to her, and wagged his tail. She turned delightedly and patted his head, and said something that was evidently the Danish for, "'Good boy!' because he wagged his tail all the more. William? Zero, thought Jack with satisfaction, evidently understood Danish better than any of them. Dog, said Jack boldly, and pointed at Zero. Dog, name Zero. Dorg, name Zero, she said. <laughs> it's incredible, William said. She picks up everything you say. Mr. Bagthorpe opened his mouth and then closed it again in much the same way as Mrs. Fosdyke just had. <laughs> he had, Jack guessed, been about to say something about keeping that mutton-headed hound out of his way, and then changed his mind. He had, after all, in front of witnesses, been proved totally mistaken in his assessment of Zero's intellectual capabilities. Jack himself had always known Zero was not stupid, and this morning had deliberately brought him down instead of leaving him up in his room as usual. He felt it was now time Zero took his rightful place in the household. Jack realized that today he was on his own. There had been no early morning conference with Uncle Parker in the dew, and there would be no rendezvous in a fast-moving car. He did not particularly care whether he progressed much today. He felt that he and Zero could rest on their laurels for a while after yesterday's performance. The Bagthorpes had already been treated to one display of the phenomenal. This was where he made his mistake. He naturally assumed that Zero would, from now on, be a name synonymous with hero. He was wrong. The whole point of being a member of the Bagthorpe menage was that you never, but never, rested on any laurels. Um, what that means... He began to discover this after he had been throwing Zero sticks to fetch for nearly an hour on the lawn at the front of the house. He had not taken into account that the house at present contained some very jumpy people, and that jumpy people have nerves, which are very easily grated upon. The first of them was Mrs. Fosdyke, who happened to be cleaning the inside of the front windows, probably to let off her feelings. 
She thumped on a window several times with a duster to indicate that she was not enjoying the performance. But Jack mistook this as a sign of appreciation, a kind of improvised applause of the stamping of feet variety. In the end, she flung open the window. I can't be doing with this rumpus all morning, she shouted above Zero's excited barking. I thought you'd like to see him do it, Jack called back. You've never actually seen him, have you? Heard enough about it, she said, and now I've seen him. Very nice. I'll go and do the windows round the back. And so, presumably, she did. She certainly disappeared. Grandma was the next objector. She, too, threw open a window, that of her own bedroom. Jack looked up. Do you realize, she called, that I am trying to breathe? Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize. I can't breathe with that noise going on, she said. You have to concentrate. And if I am to survive much longer in this household, then it is vital I go on breathing. <laughs> yes, agreed Jack. I'm sorry, Grandma. I'll go and do it round the back. Come on, Zero. 